The armed services are beginning to respond to reports of rats, mold, lead paint in privatized on-base housing. After a noisy congressional hearing two weeks ago, they've come up with plans to help families sickened by conditions in their homes. Federal News Network's Scott Massioni joins me with his latest DOD personnel notebook. And this seems to be really an all-consuming affair, isn't it, this housing issue? All hands on deck, really, when it comes to uh, the military and how they've responded to this so far. And they have come up with what? For Congress. Well, uh, so they haven't really come up with much for Congress itself. At this point, it's all trying to basically triage for uh, the the people that are in these houses and to uh, stymie any further issues that are that are happening. So the Air Force itself has, uh, I think, the most um, uh, the the biggest response, which is that they uh, they asked for an inspection of seventy four thousand houses. In basically 10 days. They want it by March 1st. That's this Friday. And who do they ask it of? That's of, of commanders and, and the commanders of the installation. So they need to go in and send people in personally to look through these houses, find any issues, and every house is going to be uh, looked at and taken care of. Uh, the other services aren't taking as uh, drastic measures. So the Army is also doing inspections, but they have a longer period of time until April. And they're, but they're also going through much more housing. There's about 87,000 privatized housing they have to go through. Uh, leaders of the of the army also met with uh, the the leaders of these privatized managing companies and uh, basically gave them a piece of their mind, told them what they expect from them, and came up with a few solutions. I think one of the things they identified was that customer service is just poor, and uh, and and that was one of the big takeaways from the congressional hearing as well, and that's something that they're going to have to, to fix if they want to keep these contracts. I guess one of the questions is what types of action and leverage are built into the contracts they have with these companies? Do they have service-level agreements such that if there's mold, you shall clean it up within two weeks or else? Right. Well, right now they have incentive uh, pay that they'll get. So that's something that the services have the discretion to take away. Now, that incentive pay has been delivered about 95% of the time, despite what's been going on. Even I've had reports from people that have emailed me from even 2012 and before that in, in of mold and things like that. Um, now, one of the other things that they've been discussing is the possibility, and this is something that Congress would be interested in, is a tenant bill of rights. And that would allow tenants to withhold their rent pay until they actually get uh, the the results that they're expecting and they actually get this mold cleaned up or something like that. And it would actually make the, the companies pay in the pocketbook. But if the Air Force inspectors and the Army inspectors find situations, and it sounds like they will find situations – do they have the clout to go back to the housing operator and say, fix this? Uh, they do to a degree, right? I mean, there is already a profit built into these contracts. So uh, the companies are supposed to be fixing up things that are happening. But obviously, this hasn't been happening in the past uh, five, six, seven years, even probably before that. So uh, I think it's, you know, now that they've been brought to the the, the mat uh, of the Senate Armed Services Committee and and been reamed out, these CEOs, I think that they're uh, much more um, willing to fix things, right? And I think that Congress in the future is going to be putting more uh, emphasis on the contracts, on the oversight, so that these things don't happen in the future. But this cleanup is just starting. There's going to be a lot more to, to do and report on with this this story. Yeah, that was the next question. Long term, 
what's going on. Right. Well, I, I think that that is it's really something that the services have not addressed yet, and and uh, people are waiting for it. So you have to remember, Valentine's Day was when this this happened, and then the the, the congressional hearing before that, uh, Reuters reported in in August about lead paint poisoning at Fort Benning. So that was really what started this this whole thing. It was kind of the catalyst, uh, and since then the the contingency operation, if if you will, for the the military services has been these inspections. The Navy is doing something a little different is what they're doing is offering commanders to come to your house and check out your house if you have an issue. Uh, That's something that I think some skeptics might be a little worried about because I think people might still be worried about retaliation or, you know, being seen as complaining, uh, especially in the Marines, right, where that's a service where people don't like to complain a lot. They feel like, you know, we can tough it out. And uh, I I think um, that might be a little different than the way that the Air Force and and the Army are doing it. Well, the Marines could say, listen, if we find mold in our apartments, we'll just use flamethrowers on them and see how that works (laughs) out. We're speaking with Federal News Network's Scott Massioni. And uh, let's switch gears here for the Air Force's non-deployable policy. What's going on there? Yeah, this is something we've been waiting for more than a year uh, to find out about. And so uh, in 2017, in in October, uh, uh, then-Secretary Mattis, uh, Defense Secretary Mattis, put out a policy saying that anyone who's not deployable for a year or more will be kicked out of the military. And then he asked the services to really create a guidance for this, a guideline on how people will be kicked out or not. So the Air Force finally, more than a, a year and about four months later, finally came out with with their guidance on this and it's nothing that's that's too outlandish nothing that you would wouldn't expect but i think it gives more of the benefit of the doubt to someone who hasn't been deployable um so what would happen if you're not deployable for 12 consecutive months you'll be notified by the chain of command and you'll be evaluated for your retention and that will be referred to the disability evaluation system or consideration for administration administrative separation. So you'll either be kicked out or you'll be looking at some sort of disability. Interesting, because deployability in the Air Force has a little different flavor maybe than the Army or the Navy, because only a very tiny portion of the people in the Air Force actually get in an airplane and fly somewhere. Right. For every one of those, you know, crew two, three, or five, there's probably 50 people on the ground in maintenance and in keeping the bases and so forth operating to support that flight time, maintenance, maintainers, they call them. So I wonder what non-deployable as someone that does not fly means, different from sailors who might you have thousands of them going on a single ship. Right. So they, they do have some basic um, guidelines here for that. So there's the you have to meet individual medical readiness standards. And, and you know, really, that was one of the big issues is that a lot of people were just latent on going to the dentist. And that they really shored up a lot of the things since this, this memo came out uh, in October 2017. Another is to be able to execute wartime mission requirements in your career field, uh, be current on your fitness test, and then um, be considered as satis- a satisfactory participant in the reserve or the the National Guard if you're you happen to be in that uh, that part of the service. So really, you know, the basic stuff that you need to be in the military. Yeah, you need to go to the dentist if you're going to do wire stripping with your teeth. You know, they're <laughs> in a pinch. And how about the Navy? Uh, so the Navy is they they put theirs out before, and it's pretty much the, the same. I mean, everyone's going to just be 
looking at things almost on a case-by-case basis. There's no mass layoffs. Uh, I think when this first came out, a lot of people were really worried because there were more than a quarter of a million people in the military who were not deployable at the time. Uh, the Army's done a really great job. They've dropped theirs down from about 15%, the non-deployable figure, to about 5%. And that really was just getting people into the dentist, into the doctor, just your regular checkups, and also doing preventative care so that when people um, you know, might get an injury from running or something like that, making sure they're putting on the right braces on their knees and things like that so they're not um, getting injuries that will keep them out for a long time. In other words, non-deployable could be something that you just haven't checked off on a list. You could have perfectly good teeth, but you haven't been to the dentist. But for deployable purposes, you have to have evidence of that regular care. Exactly. Yeah, it's as simple as just actually going. Federal News Network Scott Massioni, thanks so much. Thank you. Be sure to check out his notebook, get all the details now online at federalnewsnetwork.com.